1: Everyone, welcome back to the Shot Podcast. It is a great thrill as ever for us all to be with you. I'm Joe Dyer, and we have with us not Dave Milner. He's lost somewhere in the wilds of Melbourne, uh, not joining us. We're not a priority. You're not a priority for him, dear listeners today. Oh. But we do have in his stead uh, uh, Charles Firth. Hello. That's a cute for you to say hello, Charles. Uh, and Grace Tame. G'day. And we're absolutely delighted to have once again joining us as our special guest contributor, Ronnie Salt.
2: Hello, good afternoon, good morning. I don't have Dave with me, I'm sorry. Mm. I have think he's? Do you think he's, you lost,
0: think he's uh, just out tasting craft beer? He said he'd got some important meeting to go to, but I I kind of feel like <laughs> his important meetings or important,
1: important, yeah, what important meetings does Dave Milner have, let's know. be honest. No. None. But, uh, well, we can we can quiz him on that next week. <laughs> I want you to know that I got on a plane at 20 past six this morning in order that I could be back in Sydney to first attend the Julian Assange rally uh, in Hyde Park and then hightail it so that I could be here with you. So no important meetings are more important to me than all of you. <laughs> so there we go. This week we were, I think, celebrating at least um, – commemorating in some way the first anniversary of the election of the Albanese Labor government and the sad farewell to the Prime Ministership of Scott Morrison. Still hanging around in Parliament, of course, but no longer as our beloved leader. Um, Ronnie, coming out of that first year, you had some sharp observations about Albo and his team, not enough for it just not to be as bad as Morrison. Yes, yes, and um, it's interesting. number of people didn't like
2: it, but uh, that's okay. I was amazed at the amount of people that actually agreed with the piece, came forward, including long-term Labor supporters and people that you would have, you know, normally classified as rusted on. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure exactly um, what it is about Anthony Albanese that seems to have sort of disappointed people. Is it him or is it the um the entire the AALP, the Albanese Australian Labour Party? Mm. I'm not I'm not quite sure what it is. Can't put my finger on it. Well, you know
1: what? I think it is a I think it's probably a combination of those things. I think the thing was is that because Morrison and his mob were just so awful, there was an alliance of progressives that formed across Uh, people holding a range of progressive views from, you know, the most conservative of them, presumably like if you can even call the right wing of the Labor Party progressive. But if you take that as the kind of the end point of a spectrum, really right through to people who would never have considered themselves supporters of major parties at all. um, In other times, probably want to bring down the whole political system. But we all banded together to get rid of it's, Morrison. And I think there was that breaking of relief, you know, the new dawn that we all felt on May 22nd. But then I think probably the stratification of the progressive side of politics uh, has re-emerged. Um, it was always there. It was hmm. just over for the greater good of the demise of Morrison. And And now it is true that if you say some things which are, Probably uncontroversial when it comes to the political, a progressive political position. Some of the rusted-on Labour people do get kind of cross with you. They don't want to hear the criticism of their party and their leader.
3: Mm.
2: Yeah, it's almost as if, it's almost as if um, you know you were riding in the saddle with them, and all of a sudden you've changed horses or what have you. That's a really brilliant observation, Joe. I like the way you put that. You're right that there was a sort of a almost a homogenous mass of of us. Uh, you know, working towards getting rid of the conservative government, and then once we had um, seen the back of Scott Morrison, we all sort of then assumed our reassumed our positions. Yes, yes, it's a, that's I I love the way you put that. Yeah, mm, no one left behind and no one <laughs> held
3: back. Yeah, sort of a te- it's a testament to our sort of very polarized culture that's reinforced by the um, sort of tabloidified. Um, you know, mainstream media that detests nuance and can only see things in terms of, I guess, sort of Stan Grant put it. You know, battle battle lines as opposed to bridges. And you know, we we it's like I often say, you know, many things and many opposing things can be true at once. You can be grateful yes. for the dramatic shift, mm, but also yes. like healthily really? critique things. Um, mm. And we seem to have lost our ability to to have just these healthy debates that don't descend into just throwing mud mm. and it almost um, yes. scares people into these um, you know really really divided um, you know places and then and then they become like echo chambers where people only just want to hear things that validate their Precise opinions, as opposed to hear things that might challenge their worldview,
0: and I think that actually plays mm. into the hands of the Labor Party at the moment. Like there is a sort of polarization around things like climate and and housing, where the Labor Party almost can get away with murder, it can get away with sort oh, of
3: not murder, but well,
0: not murder, but they can get away with <laughs> opening up coal mines and and and. <laughs> You know, approving half of the hundred and nineteen gas mines that they were going to, yeah. to do and and doing absolutely nothing about housing mm. um, and they can get away with all that because if you're not with them, you're against them you know the the polarization that that you're talking about, grace allows them to sort of take this sort of position that well, I'm sorry. There isn't any nuance. It's our way or the highway.
3: And that's the danger of being scared into silence and that's what you sort of see. And when, you know, they talk about cancel culture but really it's culture itself being cancelled. It's the, it's the nuance itself being cancelled by this polarisation where both sides um, are sort of doing effectively the same thing as each other, and you know, because it's really just two opposite ends of the horseshoe that eventually meet um, and form a circle. They just keep going round and round and round and round. Which is
2: an interesting observation because if you look at the statistics from the uh, last federal election, which was only 12 months ago, we have a more fragmented political landscape than mm-hmm. ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, I, I can't remember the exact statistic but I think the ALP got their lowest primary vote than they had in sort of 30, 33 years or what have you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure did. Um, some Someone very clever will come and correct me on that, but that's going from memory. And we have a lot of teals and independents and, um, you know, uh, small parties. Uh, was it not Dai Lee who recently announced that she was opening, yeah. she was starting her own um, political party? You've got One Nation. Um, Frank
1: Gabone, who <laughs> yeah, the, he served as deputy mayor, so yeah. that kind of... Elevated Carbone into the name of the co name of the network, and most of us have never even heard of him. A lovely so, little politics, party. very local right there. <laughs> yeah,
2: and then you've got. Um, I mean, we've still got. We've got the one lone um, sausage there in the Senate um, for Clive Palmer. Oh, yeah. um, I do, yeah, you it. know. He's not even aware whether, I'm not even aware that whether there is a United Australia Party or not. Well, neither is he, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I don't think he is either. I'm yeah. not counting on him coming forward and realising it either. So, I mean, we've got a very fragmented sort of um, electorate, and so it's interesting to see this, you know, either black or either white when we've really got all these different shades of grey and should I dare I say teal as well.
1: Well, I think I yeah, and I think that's what the Labor Party um, and the government in particular are, are trying to ignore, um, because they have got that majority in the House of Reps. Um, they're trying to ignore the full rainbow that exists alongside them, um, and hope that they can solidify their majority in um, in at the next election, which it's not clear. That they will, given that they are seemingly disappointing, um so, so many people who went to them looking for genuine mm. change. Um, and I mean, in your article, Ronnie, you talk a little bit about the. We well, talk a lot about the mantra behind which they hide um, that no one held back, no one left behind, um, and it's just repeated so often that the fact that it's not explained. You know where this line is, uh, in front of which we should all be, if that mantra is to mm. hold true. None of it is clear. It's just repeated again and again.
3: There's mm. no, yeah. There's no benchmark. Like we, we've got to ask. Like one of the things, you know, that that we actually did in preparation for the state and territory budgets, um, in the like at the foundation, was, uh, you know, ask a series of questions um, in our own kind of behind the scenes, um, review of the federal budget, which, um, you know, at the Commonwealth level, um, you know there are some things that are done for child protection, um, but really um, because it's you know so such a nuanced thing, and every state has you know like very different population distributions. Especially when you think of like Tasmania, there's only half a half a million of us, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, you know we all know each other. Um, that's yeah. a joke. I Still got your spend. twelve senators. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Um, <laughs> mm. But you know when it comes to the uh, how populations are um, you know distributed in terms. Of of like regional areas and all of those different factors, um, you know, different cultures um, and and so on and so forth, Um, child protection is an issue that is really governed by the states and territories, um, just just like it is with legislation as well. And so what we did in preparation for the state and territory budgets is sort of ask a few questions about the distribution of funds um, really in relation to the child's voice because really... (laughs) Um, When we're asking those questions or, or, you know, hearing those slogans about who's being um, left behind or not left behind and, um, you know, when we want to look at a benchmark, children are the the ones that often get left behind. And especially when we think of like these umbrella terms of sexual abuse or um, domestic sexual and family violence Um, that sort of bring all of these things together, the child's voice, the child's experience, boys and girls do get forgotten because they just don't have equal power. And so we looked at these things and, you know, on paper, there are what seem to be large sums of money for particular things. And yet we never actually know um, whether some services are being actually just uh, given an amount of money that uh, enables them to aff- to just function at crisis mode or it enables them to live beyond that point. Um, and you know, we, we sort of, yeah, we, we don't have a huge amount of detail. Um, and so it's it is a really interesting um, kind of, well, not kind of but vague, <laughs> Thing yeah. to say when there are so many um, de- demographics that are definitely not equal to each other, and children are definitely at the forefront of that. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's the point. You can see that there are groups that are being left behind, and there are many, and we've talked about some of them um, already on on this podcast. Uh, and there are many groups, as you say, Grace, who may be being left behind because we're not getting the information that we need. Um, and you make that point too, Ronnie, Are the is anybody measuring um, mm. who is being left behind? Is anybody um, tabulating the outcomes of policy investment? I mean, if we're not getting that information in any kind of clear form um, and what we are getting is voices, you know, small voices holding up their hands and saying, well, I'm still living in a tent or I'm still living in poverty or I still can't get enough data on my mobile phone to enable me to look for a proper job while I'm subsisting beneath the poverty line on Job Seeker. So we're hearing these voices um, about people being left behind. Um, we're hearing reassuring yet vague and empty mantras from um, the current Labor government. Um, and it's not really surprising that we've still got lots of questions. I think it's more important than than ever in politics in the 21st century where we,
2: where we govern by memes and make our decisions by, you know, by a, a sort of a five-second scroll through Facebook or what have you. It's really important for people's political literacy, and I'm sorry to sound patronising, but it's true more than ever that we actually dig down into the motherhood statements and the slogans and the positioning statements that they use, which is why... Um, you know, early in my life I worked in um advertising and communications and so on. That's why I dug down into that statement and said, Well, you know, they have used this as a platform, as a mantra for the last three or four years. What actually does it mean? Because um, you know, as I said in the article, when you when you dig down into it, um, it actually doesn't mean anything at all. No. Mm. It's it sounds nice, but uh I mean, can 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 you point me
3: to the auditing of Who's being left behind and who's not being held back? And 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 that's sort of the point, isn't isn't it though, Ronnie? Like if you if you use a slogan that is impossible to find an answer to, then 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 yeah. you, you know that that's sort of the magic, isn't it? It um, allows it's, you to keep using it, and this is sort of how you know it's sort of really important to um, also like teach teach people to be able to understand um, and this is what we're trying to do at the foundation is not just focus on the events themselves of like child sexual abuse and stuff like that but actually teach people, give the tools to understand what is being done to you, how are you being conditioned, give people the knowledge that is being withheld from them deliberately to be able to unpack things like marketing strategies, advertising techniques because these are the the things that are like permeating the mainstream because there's very little difference now when, when we're talking about, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a podcast right now where we're surrounded by technology. It's big brother is ever present. It's the omnipotent, you know, omnipresent force that we are forced to rely on. You know, you go to the doctor's surgery and they ask you to check in on a tablet, um, you know, and, and, and we, we have to communicate by our phones. Um, so, so many things, even if we, we, we don't want to depend on technology, we actually have to depend on technology, big tech, um, and, and all of these things. And so the, the difference between our inner and outer worlds is constantly being, um, eroded and we, we, we sort of don't, um, even understand that sort of compliance and to, to give people the tools to sort of understand that and, and have as much power as they um, possibly can um, amid these conditions is really really important and to go to be able to question their sources um you know is really yeah. is really important because those are the things that sort of underpin grooming as well is that sort of like coerced compliance while you're not even realizing it's happening to you and there's sort of it's a reason unthinking. oh sorry no I was gonna say it
2: starts too I think with um a lot of, uh, it's, it starts with um, the front line. So it starts mm. with um, journalists and presses, for example, who yeah. need to be there interpreting on behalf of, um, you know, the rest of the electorate or the population or so on. So, for example, when Scott Morrison, who lived, Scott Morrison lived off this phrase for a good two years, if you have a go, you get a go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. What in God's name does that mean? What does it mean? You may as well be saying purple sausages. It's such a nonsense statement. It means nothing. It just fills the air. And yet, I don't recall, and I'm happy to be corrected. I don't recall one journalist if ever go saying go to Scott what? what.
3: If you have a go what at what, and the... you get a go at get a go at what, go,
2: get... what do you mean by it? <laughs> Tell me the rest of Australia what it what it is. What does that mean? Oh. So.
0: I always you know. thought it meant that if you went to a private boys' school, <laughs> you you got you got to go. If you if you had to go at that, then you got to go at everything else. If
3: you have, if you have to go, if you have to go to the toilet, you've got to go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, which again, broken promise by, by Scott Morrison.
3: So you have to go. You've
2: got to go. <laughs> it was kind of funny. He went to an academic uh, boys'
1: high school, Sydney Boys High School. Mm. Now I know that's different. sorry
0: GPS. Sorry GPS. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that means that Sydney Boys High. They were happy to claim John Howard, even though some of us might not have been so happy. But they did draw the line at wanting to yeah. celebrate. Uh, <laughs> Scott Scott Morrison Morrison. Being Can
0: I a scholar. just as a complete aside? I was looking at our social media stats for the Chaser this morning for completely other reasons. And the very depressing fact is that, and we've run plenty of anti-Labor Party, you know, headlines in the last five or six months. Like we're we're doing our job by, you know, satirising those who are actually in power. Yes, but. All our top performing headlines in the last six months have been jokes about Scott Morrison.
3: Still, he is the like, <laughs> he just <laughs> keeps giving. He is the the let's say called him the the the, the comedy self sourcing pudding. He's he it's just like the gift. <laughs> yeah, that the magic The comedy, pudding. the comedy, yes. like pinata, as Robin Williams referred to George Bush. Mm. He just he just you know candy falls from his mind. You, I, I reckon face. Anthony
0: Albanese. Is starting to have a touch of the Morrison's about yeah. his his style. Like I, I don't know whether you saw, but this morning he took a little selfie um, with with some school kids and then tweeted out this nice little thing about you'd better get to school on time, right? And it was all trying to be heartwarming, uh-huh. but but the but the selfie was not. He didn't post the selfie of him. It was a picture of him taking a selfie. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it was oh, one step it removed. Wasn't the
3: he, do, he does could, that, though. It's like, like so the, weird. Elbow, the elbowception selfie. Yeah. The meta. And he actually
0: ran. Like, um, one of the social media posts that they ran before the election was, you know, we're about policies, not about selfies. Oh,
2: well, he, and- A lot can happen in the next three years. Like, a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. Now certainly, he's certainly knew, he certainly
3: knew how selfie. to use me. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, really? Well, yeah, I mean, well, that's what he that, like. The yeah, same sure. day that
3: yeah. the same day that I d- like, d- delib- deliberately, like, what am I going to do next to Mister, you know, mm. Hillsong Song, um, uh-huh. and all his other myriad um, dubious things? Mm. Um, and then, you talking uh,
1: about the the great Side Eye Day? That we we should celebrate the anniversary of that.
3: Ooh, that was a while ago. That was in. Where did you give Scott? Oh, sorry, Morrison I
1: thought you were talking about Albo using. I missed. I must have misheard. Sorry. Oh, well, I that was, was the same day. Albo, Albo, you, to... you know,
3: just and I just like I just stood next to him and I was like, I gave him, I gave him a smile. Like these are things that happen in like yeah. very. I've also I'd also met Scott Morrison. Um, you know, uh, I'd I'd met him before that as well. Um, because the previous year. Um, you know they hold a and, prime minister's morning tea, and Max and I had um, tried to s- tried to speak to him um, about some things, and he sort of hovered his max. <laughs> max had to sort of in Max had to put himself as a buffer. Um, max is sort of built like a Berlin nightclub bouncer, and um, <laughs> he kind of had to put himself as a buffer because Scott Morrison, even though he's like, you know, he's quite in, quite enormous, um, and I'm only five foot three, and I was trying to talk to him about. Um, uh, well, the some law reform um ideas. And he just sort of like like it was like his have you you've seen the Wizard of Oz and the Tin Man does this thing where he's like lean like leans his oh, body. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. quite yeah, as no, dramatic. No, but he just sort of, like, it was sort of just just like like he wasn't on the level almost. <laughs> he was like leaning his body a little bit f- forward. And he had sort of had had his hands behind his back from memory and um and then he I think he called somebody over who worked for him um to give me a card. Um, but he, he started talking about his father, um, who was, um, policeman. a policeman. Yes. Um, and just saying, you know, sort of talking about that, and I, which I thought, okay, that's fine. Um, you know, it wasn't particularly, you know, I didn't feel any particular way about it other than it, it was, he was, he was quite imposing. He didn't, he, you know, he was quite imposing anyway, because, you know, at the time he was the prime minister. Um, yeah, we, we took we all took photos. Everyone there took photos. This was before um, I was named Australian of the Year. And then also Max and I did take take a, you know, true to true to our larrikin selves. We took a silly video, um, you know, about like we were we, <laughs> creeped up, crept up behind him. And um, Max puts <laughs> some emojis in it, a floating coal lump of coal, and then there's some Hawaii emojis in it. Um, but Max, Max prior to that had been excited about meeting Scott Morrison, because, um you know, Max, oh. Max is a Max is a uh, you know, well, I don't know. Like we were just two twenty twenty five, oh, yeah. twenty six year old kids, minister. and he was excited to meet the prime minister because, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I just wanted to meet the prime minister. But. <laughs> so, Charles,
1: if you're the most engaged like posts are jokes about Scott Morrison. Mm. What comes next? Is it then, like, jokes about Dutton? Do jokes about yes, Albo actually, make the, into the top ten? The Dutton,
0: the Dutton one, one was, I think we've had three jokes about Scott Morrison, all of which, the like, top three. The third one, the fourth one was um, Dutton demands more detail on the coronation, which was oh. a fairly standard <laughs> joke, but, but I, I, I've enjoyed. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, like, you literally have to get, oh, uh, the one that we put out this morning government to allow millennials to dip into super to buy milk bread that is <laughs> that'll end up performing very well but yeah it's all and i mean the paul and hansen one do well like it's still just all the, you know, Pauline Hanson sells knitted white hoods to raise funds for lawsuits.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: Pauline Hanson. Pauline Hanson. They always do well. I made my first Pauline Hanson joke when I was all of three years old, by the way. My cousin Griffin. Oh my, and my cousin Griffin and, I, Gr- Griffin and I are three days apart. Um, he was born on Christmas Day, 1994, mm. and I was born three days later. But Griffin and I um, were being looked after by my mother um, one year. We were three. And she was making dinner in the kitchen and we were just playing quietly, um, in her periphery in an ensuite bathroom. And my mother who had grown up, um, like, uh, quite, quite poor, um, had a hangover from her childhood. Um, and like my aunts are quite, all of them are quite similar. They have weird hangovers where they stockpile things. Um, one of my aunts stockpiles, like, biscuits and things. Like, her pantry's always full of, like, Arnets like, shapes and stuff like that. But my mum's hangover from childhood is toilet paper. She always has, like, heaps of toilet paper. Oh, she's always oh. really worried that they're going to run out of toilet Like, we're going to run out of toilet paper. Um, it's-
0: <laughs> she would have hated the pendant. I
3: know, but she? I know. A- it came true. It came true. All right. You know, busted. <laughs> yeah. Mum is the one who ruined the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. he could, if he came to my house at any point during the pandemic, no. Anyway, so Griffin and I were in the ensuite bathroom while mum was making dinner when we were three and we we came across a dog pile of toilet paper and um, we were really quiet so mum didn't have any cause for concern. But what we were doing is we were unravelling every single roll of toilet paper and we had made a sea of toilet paper around our little three-year-old um Like ankles and we were waiting in it and we'd filled up the shower cubicle and everything and then when mum came to get us for dinner she saw us and I just apparently like totally deadpan looked at her and didn't miss a beat and I just said um Pauline Hanson did it and I mean I just like this was this was a this was at the height of um, a lot of the controversies because the One Nation Party had just been established, and it must have been something that, like you know, something that because it was being on it was on the news, and Mum, you know, probably was one of those people who talked about it a lot. I don't know, but I just apparently I just said Pauline Hanson did it. Well, I mean, it obviously, had entered
1: your brain that she was the villain, yeah, who could be blamed <laughs> and blamed for doing things that. Um, well, that you were seeking to dodge blame for. Yeah,
3: worth a
2: shot. I mean, we were we were in a sea of white, so. Yeah. I have to ask a question about the Pauline Hanson knitwear sale. Um, oh, yes. Which, which I originally refused to believe was real. I must say I refused to believe it was real either because, Did I she, mean,
1: how much time does she have to spend knitting knitwear?
2: I'd, I'd, in fact, I, the whole thing confused me. But then again, I've, you know, let, we are talking about Pauline Hanson, so, I, you know, I won't go into it too deeply, but... I, I couldn't quite work out, um, first of all, was were these sort of little bits and pieces that she'd knitted herself while she was sort of in the Senate, you know, got a little bit of bag of wool and doing that, or was it a fundraising? Was it for fundraising for One Nation? Was it for the Salvation Army? What was going on? Well,
1: what? no, it is fundraising for One Nation, um, right. that much I had got, but what they were advertising was that these were actually hand-knitted by Pauline Hanson. So they're almost like a money oh. can't, money can't buy kind of thing. But how many of them
2: are there? That Was there, was there evidence presented? I'm sorry to sound
1: cynical. Um, was there any evidence presented as such? Uh, that she had actually done them? Yes. Well, this is the thing. Um it says that each one takes 60 hours or more right. um, and you're bidding on them, I believe. So it is presumably there will be so many people who will have such desire to get their hands on these um, jumpers that they will, you know, force the price up of this sort of silent auction. It's to raise money for the defamation case that um, Marine Faruqi has brought against her. Oh, I see. <laughs> um at, you have to place a bid to be able to see what the bidding is and of course I'm not going to do that in the just the off chance that I ended up with one of them so there's only four of them so, so they are limited edition <laughs> if you wanted to Okay it's a, There's. So there's I'm, I'm looking
2: at the I'm looking at the the website now there's there's oh, there's there. a teal one She's yeah, she's,
1: well, she's well, a is teal it, one in honour of the independence.
2: Well, look, um, yes, I probably better not styles. say anything, but I won't be bit on them. No, but, there
1: are different styles. They've each got a slightly different look to them, and then they're all in this sort of sea of teal to Napoleon blue to mauve to purple. Do you think that's feminist purple? Do you think no, um, no, Pauline is no, now no. kind of... <laughs>
3: I'm hammering ephemerist, ephemerist. So, so kind do you
1: think credentials? Because they're kind no. of they're kind of a
3: <laughs> they're they, they're kind of a uh, a nod to a you know like like traditional. um
1: Yeah, like old tradi- school it's traditional. Kind of, yeah, we used to have this um, ladies' wear shop in South Australia called Joyreen. Fabulous, lovely for ladies. It was Joyreen. Yes, lovely for ladies.
3: That yeah. So they're em- so, they're emblem so. they're emblematic of traditional traditional values and mm. there's the sub there's a subtext there that's being unspoken that uh is perhaps um you know that she
1: is a traditional values kind of gal yeah. so we've had one year of the albanese uh, government um before we go i do think there's a couple of things that we should acknowledge is that at um, or just this week, we have got the referendum enabling bills passing through Parliament. And so it is interesting that there is one thing on which Albanese has been courageous, and that is his commitment steadfast um, to take uh, the voice to a referendum, um, despite the extraordinary uh, unethical displays that we've been seeing from a wide array of people in um supporting the no vote. And Prikey this week uh uncovered the fact that the Conservatives are doing a whole lot more of their little astroturfing tricks on Facebook and have yes. are actually using Lydia Thorpe's um position uh on their funded websites and uh and advertising for them with, just to try and bolster a majority. So saying no, vote no because it's not enough um, so, but perhaps the worst transgression was where they went out and were saying, um, using a photo of Vincent Lingari's uh, grandson and saying that he was opposed to the voice, um, which was just completely, as- patently, blatantly untrue. And he's come out and said that himself, and there has been no retraction whatsoever. So,
2: and as it not- turns out, sorry, Joe, it wasn't Vincent Lingari's uh, grandson either. The photo wasn't even of him. No, it was just no. a stock photo. No, oh, I no see, they're, 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 I think they're just making it the no side, I, making it up as they go along.
1: Really, and interesting, they do, and yet being amplified again um, by by the media as if they have to show the no vote. As lies and unethical behaviour as as legitimate as the kind of eighty percent of um of certainly Indigenous peoples who are in support of the yes vote, and at the moment the sort of uh, fifty five to sixty percent of the Australian population. Is. And
3: and this is this is one of the this is one of the media tactics that you know is is rarely spoken about, and yet you know ironically we see it all the time. Well, not ironically, coincidentally we see it all the time. Is literally just proliferation, you know? Yeah. It's just it's the constantly. Flooding with shit. It's, it's the just constantly and soaking. And- yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Flooding yeah. the scene with shit. Constantly soaking people's con- like conscious, not just conscious minds, but and, and eventually it will seep, seep into the subconscious. Some of it will sift, some of it will filter through and people will start asking, like, you know, if I like I don't I don't go on Twitter anymore. Um, you know, because even though I, I know that I could probably alter some um, of, the, of the controls and, and things like that, like I've done on Instagram. Um, but, you know, because, because I work in a high stress environment, um, I, I guess um, it makes me more susceptible to little small things. But, you know, if it's just like eventually something's going to hit the sides um, and yeah. you, you, it's the butterfly effect of that. Like that sort of mathematical, um, yeah. you know, thing um, that that eventually something mm. will um, happen, and then you know that will then much like a domino um, line will potentially hit something else, hit something else, and so on and so forth. And it's remarkable to see because clearly it's an operation. You know, it's it's an it's an orchestra that's being yeah. conducted um, from multiple different from several different ends.
0: And it, as uh, Steve Bannon, who sort of came up with the strategy for Trump, the soak them in shit strategy, part of the brilliance of it is that it's it's about a lack of accountability. Because mm. how can you possibly fact check every single thing? You can't if you just wear them just, out. Swamping of lies every day,
3: but it's not. I'm sorry, like Steve Bannon. H- hello, like just go back to Rupert Murdoch in when he <laughs> owned this. Well, he owned that newspaper in San Antonio, and mm. like the headlines, the little the little headlines um, of that he, that that his paper in in Texas um, were using um, were so out of character. Um, And this was back in the 70s, early 70s, that one of the other local papers in San Antonio actually wrote um, an article back, uh, like in response to criticise it and make fun of it because they were like, you know, um, midgets, something, something, you know, and like aliens fight over something, something, you know, it was just obscene tabloid-esque nonsense and so this other San Antonio paper said, you know, like we, It was something like weird paper takes over Texas or something like mm. that. And it just said, you know, um, like locals are learning things um, that they've never learned about before. Mm. And it's you know they, they these these stories you can guarantee feature a cast of repeating characters that are usually grannies, tots, um, <laughs> and. And it's it's like that's what that like this stuff mm, is not. Yeah, it's got a long th- this history. This is like this is like yes. you know 40, 40 some years ago, mm. and yeah, and and it's 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 also international. And you know Rupert Murdoch did the same thing in the UK as mm. well.
0: And actually, the the SBS documentary series uh, that's still going. Um, uh, about it's coming out every week at the moment. About the Murdochs is is worthy of watching because of the very reminder of those sorts of early Murdoch tactics. Like I,
1: I tried to find it for some reason. I can't find it on my SBS on Demand, even though it must be there. So I'm going to. Put oh. more effort into that, particularly with the successions and looming
0: It's brilliant. Uh, it's funded.
1: large all about Horizons next Monday.
0: It's funded by SBS, actually, and it, it features lots of Australian talking heads as well, which is quite fun. So you get to see Paul Barry oh, yeah. explain various anecdotes. Richie Cook, um, who is now a monthly well, writer. Paul Barry,
1: of course, is, is very much an expert on the Murdoch's yes. um, having written... Many books. Um, Well, I shall find that uh, because, as I say, we'll need something to um, remind us of how appalling the rich are once Succession finishes next week. (laughs) Um, And then finally, before we go, we will note the passing of the 93-year-old convicted pedophile, Rolf Harris.
0: Yes, although actually I have to correct you on that, uh, Joe, because now that he's dead, he's no longer a convicted pedophile. Uh, if you read the Herald this morning, he, he's actually uh, a disgraced oh. entertainer. Like he's been, he's been oh, upgraded yes. from, you know, convicted yeah. paedophile to Conflicted disgraced pedophile entertainer. Disgraced he's, he's,
1: entertainer.
0: In a couple of weeks, he'll be a top bloke.
3: So. The sensationalist yeah. morning Herald yeah, portraitist yeah. of the Queen
1: kind of
3: thing. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> the red, a the little red little s- scarers. <laughs> An interesting
2: <laughs> little side issue about. Um, Rolf Harris's death is that uh, he actually died over two weeks ago. What? And um, yeah, really? he died. He died in the early hours of the of May tenth. And his family and, and friends. Well, I don't know who the friends are, but you know, I'm sure that you know <laughs>
0: the people it's around him
2: who hanging on. <laughs> the, the people around him um, were so worried about uh, what would happen. Mm. at his funeral or any sort of subsequent incident, that they kept the news quiet for two weeks. Just a little bit of trivia for you, mm. to go to that you know that the
1: shame followed him to the grave. Too it's bad. Too I'm surprised oh that people were able to pull that off, actually. But mm. even in this day and age with the, the media eyes everywhere, you can keep the death of a convicted pedophile meets disgraced entertainer meets portraitress to the Queen um, <laughs> under wraps
3: for a fortnight. Who wrote, the, so well, um, who wrote that article in the Sydney, it's, excuse me, sensationalist morning? Uh, yeah. Oh, Harry, God, take your who, pick. Who? <laughs> who was it? Oh,
1: Seriously.
0: Never never ask chat GPT about Rolf Harris, because.
3: ChatGPT like I, or like they, I, Chat no, can be tricked into in producing chi- like yeah. child exploitation oh. material in descriptive form. It can be ch- tricked into doing it. It's so all these oh, well. all these hand-wringing all these hand-wringing, um cries from the from the tech sector about mm. ooh bow down to big tech. We need to have a six month pause on this uh, this technology that you know generates um you know uh like AI. And what is what is AI artificial intelligence? It's not artificial. It pulls yeah, stuff from the web. The and it's just that some time ago. It's oh yeah, maybe like now. maybe like not in the nineteen eighties, um, you know, military <laughs> technology, which like that's what encryption software is. It's military. It's military technology was being used to transmit child sexual abuse material back then, and uh, anyway, but now they're just going. Oh, we've had a sudden change of heart now we need to stop and too late you know, yeah well it's just a well, it's just a bit obtuse really
0: we asked ChatGPT gpt this morning whether um it would shut itself down if it became a harm to humans and it said no <laughs> it won't <laughs> <laughs> so, <that's laughs> so i think that well when is people tell who
1: they are believe them
0: yeah.
1: uh, on that note um, thank you very much to all of you who've made it through to the end of this podcast for another week. Um, thank you very much to Ronnie for joining us this week.
3: We look thank forward you. to
1: getting your words in the next article and having you join us in the next uh, podcast. And Charles, Grace, and I will see you next week. Thank you.
0: See you.